In one to two years, what happened? I just kind of just picked up the game so fast, and I was able to jump, and all my friends was like, I can't believe you're doing this, Demetrius. It was because of my ballet and tap that I took at a young age. And soccer. So, oh, you're going to cut me? Okay. After all that I've done over the last two years with basketball. So I went to JV. I put on a monster show. <laughs> I was so angry for being cut. I put on a monster show. Right after that tournament, coach moved me up to varsity. I realized quickly to get with the natives. Okay. Get with the people. So I immersed myself with the locals, and I made time go by faster. I built my fan base. All those locals used to come to the games with yeah. their drums. And, you know, South <laughs> America, their music is first. Yeah. And, uh, and support me. Hello, and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Zhao, and today I am lucky to be joined with the Associate Dean of Students and former professional basketball player, Demetrius Lafitte. And so why do you say sports had changed your life? Because um, that, that has always been something that you, you sort of uh, brought up to me, and um, obviously you had a basketball career. And so how did it go, and how did you, it shape you? Well, sports, athletics gave me everything in my life. It helped shape me. It helped build my character. And it started way back when I was just um, a young boy, black boy, mm -hmm. um, growing up in San Diego, California. Mm -hmm. um, when I was young, I had a, a, how can I say, I had a speech impediment. Mm -hmm. um, and my mother um, was able to get funds from the government okay. to to help me with my with speaking, pronunciation. I often stuttered. Mm -hmm. And so I was one of those shy kids growing up, didn't say really? too much. Can't yeah. tell right now. Yeah. <laughs> well I can't it, it took it took it, a lot a of way. a lot of adults, a lot of coaches to kinda help me to get me to where I'm at, am now to be able to um, actually articulate when I when I talk or when I speak. So speaking of speech impediment, so what did you have do you remember what you what the situation was like and, and what did you have to do to overcome it specifically? What was the process like? Well the well the process it was a um it was a process that involves um exercises with my tongue and with my mouth. Okay. Um, it was also a process that involved my anxiety level mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. I often stuttered and, mm -hmm. and I had problems pronouncing any words that begin with R mm. or W was my biggest issue. So, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. the, the way that sports tied into it mm -hmm. um, is that since I was quiet, and I didn't like to, you know, say too much when I was young because people used to make fun of me. Yeah. Um, I was easily... Make, make fun of you because of what? They make fun of me because of the way I, the way I talk. Mm. Um, um, and I was, you know, 
I was an easy target being tall. Yeah. Uh, and and being mm-hmm. a person of color, mm-hmm. um, I guess my peers, my my friends, um, <laughs> used to you know snicker and yeah and make fun of me. So that just kind of silenced my voice when I was when I was um, at a very young age. How do you think these um, early childhood adversities has shaped you in some form? Well, it shaped me because um, I learned that, and I'm a, I'm a, I need to put sports into it. Yeah. Um, I learned that with sports gave me the confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my space that I was able to excel in. Mm-hmm. And um, and the students and my friends gravitated towards me because I was I was good in athletics, basketball star. And yeah, I was, <laughs> and, I, and not only basketball, I played soccer was my first sport, and baseball really? was my those two sports uh, I played first before basketball. Okay. Um, so out on those athletic fields, I was able to express myself, and it gave me confidence. And yeah, and and my coaches made me um, almost forced me to be a leader on the fields, mm-hmm. and that because of your physical stature, or also because of your ability and everything. I think mostly because of my um, ability of what I was able to do okay. on those athletic forums. Okay, and and in turn, um, Channing, that um, gave me confidence. And allow me to um, be more, um, be more of a risk taker, be more of a risk taker in classrooms mm-hmm. and and as far as when I teach, as far as engaging yeah. locally in the classrooms. Yeah. Um, and it really took a long time because I really didn't feel comfortable talking, and right. In like public speaking, or even just in a classroom setting, mm-hmm. maybe until I was my senior year, or even college. So it was—it's been a, a long journey, and with the professionals, uh, yeah. my uh, speech therapist, yeah, she and him really okay. helped me with that, with certain exercises. So you had speech therapists that was with you all the way until college. All the way until my first year of high school. So, oh, until high school. So okay. from, I would say from the time I was um, seven years old to like fifteen. Mm. And I, I can definitely relate relate to that. Um, mm-hmm. The the confidence issue, mm-hmm. or um, yeah, because growing up, I wasn't the most confident kid. I'd be scared to public speak. Right. And and. I'm, that's that's probably one of the things I afraid the most. Well, I was most afraid, um, and you know the, the thought of just speaking in front of a crowd right. would, or just a mini crowd would, would would terrify me. And I'm always sort of like a person that sort of just like along that that sort of tags along, not really like a leader type thing type person until sort of I got better at sports and I got you know goalkeeper was my thing when when i sort of built built my way up Mm -hmm. and i realized oh i can i i I have i because um 
there's like that respect level and then the, the, that first respect level made me realize oh i can actually you know do my own thing too right. i don't have to just be a person that tags along and sort of something like that so speaking of basketball because basketball is really the thing that that has shaped you what was your um contact with basketball how did you first get into basketball and how did you sort of develop your career out right. of it right good question um well, it started back, and I would say, 1978, huh. 77, 78. Um, and like I mentioned before, I did a lot of other sports um, yeah. before basketball. Yeah. And actually, honestly, um, ballet and tap was my first activity that my mom ballet put, and tap. put us in. Um, and then that parlayed into, you know, the team sports. Mm -hmm. But during recess, I went to a parochial school, Catholic school in San Diego, and um, I bought a pair. Well, I didn't. My mom bought a pair of these Converse. They were called yeah. Dr. J's, and yeah. I, and they were big. They were size 14. <laughs> At that time, I wore a size 12, so I stuffed them with newspaper so that I can put my foot in these shoes. Uh -huh. And during recess, kids would play. You know all the different sports and um one of this one of my friends my classmates came over and said hey why don't you just try to play basketball i see you have your dr j's on what, so what what grade were you in i was in seventh grade seventh grade and Se you're already wearing size 12 shoes yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. I, was, I was in seventh grade and so i tried it and yeah. um I just kind of fell in love with it. I was like, this is cool. Watching the ball go through the net. and um, It's a satisfying feeling. It's just a great feeling. Um, playing, Being able to play offense and defense, being able to uh, run up and down with the ball and sharing the ball on the yeah. court and then having people coming and watching, it was something that I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I started watching basketball on tv yeah okay but going back prior to watching basketball tv basically that later on that week that friend told the coach mm -hmm. of the school was the school was called holy holy spirit in san diego mm -hmm. and um the coach um mr leach pulled me aside and says i want you to play for my team and mm -hmm. i played for in a parochial league mm -hmm. and that started my basketball um I guess journey. So you you were just playing like a casual, just playing pickup. Yeah, I just and then a coach spotted you. Well, a friend, the person who I was playing with, the person who talked me into playing basketball mm -hmm. uh, during recess, told the coach, and the coach came out to the court courtyard and watched me play, pulled me off to the side and asked me to go to practice and. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't. I was. I was. I'm actually quite surprised that you only started in seventh grade. What would you say that? Um, because seventh grade is obviously it's not the earliest of it. A lot of people start when they're kids, and a lot of people would say, "Oh yeah, it's impossible to play professional if you start." You know, as late as like ten years old, they they would think that's already incredibly late. Mm -hmm. But seventh seventh grade, that that you were what. 12, 12 years old, 13 years yeah, old, something was, like that? Yep, correct. How, how did that play out for you? What, would you, what, what do you think? 
to to contribute to your career and what is your uh perception on lateness and, and um playing professional sports uh, well um i think my mom had a lot to do with that um i was the oldest child okay and there was often times okay there were often times that um i had to be the man of the house right um, and so after my baseball practice or after um a soccer practice i went straight home um and inside of my household it was up to me to make sure that i took care of my four brothers mm -hmm. um so we were um a, i guess a sports family athletic family because my mom coached me she was my first coach okay and basketball was never something that was bought up and it was fun. It's funny that you asked that question because my father played college basketball, mm -hmm. um, but my father was was not part of my life. And so really, I, okay, yeah. And I don't know to this day why my mom didn't introduce me to basketball. I never asked. It's something that just kind of came organically when um, his name is Mark Carter. When Mark asked me to play. And I just kind of just fell in love with it. And then, so your mom knew how to coach basketball all this time. And well, yeah. <laughs> and just never introduced basketball to you until seventh grade. Yeah, well, she didn't introduce it to me. She never, we never had basketballs in the house. We never. Interesting. The basketball word, that sporting thing, was never brought up in, in our household. It was, it was dancing. Um, and playing soccer was big. Um, yeah. And, and did you grow and up baseball. in Italy? Nope. I, um, I, how can I say this? My mother was also an international teacher. So okay. I lived in several countries when I was younger. Okay. But I, but I can say that from the age of six, seven, to, you know, to my college years, I spent in San Diego. San Diego. Mm -hmm. So San Diego is the place. That's interesting to, to hear. Do you think that it is because um, that maybe basketball reminded your mom of your father that basketball was never sort of like a thing that was introduced to, to, to your household? or I, I strongly feel that way. And, mm. you know, they... they they divorced when I was in diapers. Um, mm. Well, actually, I would say when I was about three, three years old. And mm. I, maybe it could be um, she probably didn't want to have memories of anything that was negative yeah. in her life or their lives. Right. Um, so, but should but but China, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. Once I start playing basketball, she was like my number one supporter. <laughs> my number one supporter. Number one she supporter. supported me financially. Uh, she drove me everywhere. I mean, uh -huh. um, she went to. She hardly ever missed a game unless she worked. Cause my mom worked two or three jobs, but she did her best to make make it to all the games. Wow, that's nice. So speaking of, okay, so we are at seventh grade. What was the what was the next step like? Was it challenging for you to sort of get to a club and then start training, or 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 like they say, you just you're just natural at it. You just just feel it the first day you step on the court. Right. Well, what ha what had <laughs> happened, honestly? Uh, so we moved. 
we were, you know, I was raised in a rough neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. So it, it was a moment that my mom um, realized it was time for us to leave this neighborhood and we moved out to the suburbs. Okay. Um, once we moved out to the suburbs, I went to a school called Spring Valley okay. um, Middle School, um, predominantly white, yeah. um, with some um, Latinos, Latinx. Um, yeah. Population, yeah, and that's when I knew I was like, "Wow, out here, there's so much opportunities." There were seasonal sports, yeah. So all of the families were so big in the sports, big in sports. I mean, everything centered around their children and weekends and sports. Mm-hmm. So each and every morning, school started at, I believe, like at eight fifteen. We, my friends and I, played. At seven o'clock, seven fifteen mm-hmm. in the morning outside, and we just ball. We just played basketball every morning, mm-hmm. and I remember to this day I used to go to the classroom full of sweat. <laughs> Keep in mind, San Diego is seventy one, seventy two degrees year round, so there was no problem with us playing sports outside. That's and perfect. <laughs> so every day we played. It became to a point that um, students. Used to go to come to school early to watch these games. Really, and my brother um, Barney, Barney Bus, I call him Barney, is a year behind me. We're almost identical in looks. He started getting a fever, and so it's the start. And, and it, this town was called Spring Valley, and it just the basketball fever just was just beginning. And, so um, basketball wasn't a big thing, big deal back then? Well, n- in my neighborhood, my new neighborhood, Spring Valley, it was baseball, Pop Warner football. Basketball was big, but it wasn't the top two. Uh, um, and mm-hmm. I think that Spring Valley and those those neighborhood, I call them my Sandlot friends. My Sandlot friends popularized basketball in the East we call it the East County of San Diego. So you you were part of the movement that uh, yeah that got basketball to yeah. be popular. Now, now, now Channon, I'm I'm gonna tell you uh, something. Bill Walton is from the same neighborhood that I'm from. Oh really? Okay. Well, I should let me reverse that. I'm from the or, same yeah. neighborhood <laughs> as Bill <laughs> Walton. <laughs> um, yeah. But even back then, he went to Lama- uh, he's from La Mesa, uh, Spring Valley, and he went to Helix High School. Um, but even when he played, um, and he was the number one player in the country. Okay. Basketball was not really big because, China, San Diego is not a big sports town. Yeah. Okay. Now it is. But when I was growing up, San Diego was a, a town where you do a lot. It was, uh, it was a naval, military yeah. town. Yeah. And there was t- it was a family town. There was yeah. a lot of amusement parks to, to, to go to. Right. And it's, it's beach, mm-hmm. surf. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was um, full of um, people that like to sell, sell like the um, their boats, uh, selling. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. So you definitely well played every single day, and then sort of got better. How did you sort of step up to the next level and and, and uh, go to the next level? Okay, so that's that's another good question. Um, eighth grade, from seventh to eighth grade, on eighth grade, mm-hmm. I got. I was asked to play on a team. Uh, yeah. Now, the team was during the winter. 
Yeah. Um, and I played in this league. It was, mm -hmm. it, was the, it was in Grossmont. That's the name of the league. I remember it to this day. Mm -hmm. And I did well. I performed well. We won the championship. Mm -hmm. And I, as an eighth grader, I was dunking a basketball. So the word got out that there's an eighth grader at Spring Valley Middle <laughs> School that can dunk a basketball. Um, and a coach came up to me and asked what I consider trying out for the San Diego All-Stars. Okay. Um, How tall were you back then? Just quick. I was, sure. as an eighth grader, I was 6'3". <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. And I'm 6'5 now, so I only grew two inches from <laughs> eighth grade until <laughs> now. I mean, to my senior year, uh, <laughs> on my early um, college um, uh -huh. days. Yeah. Um, so I, I went to trial for this team, and it yeah. was when I walked into the gym, there were players that I'd never seen. Uh -huh. um, I said there was probably like 30 to 40 players in this gym. Right. Um, and I made the first cut. I made the second cut. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, um, I was on the San Diego All-Stars. Mm -hmm. And we traveled mm -hmm. um, on the East, on the East Coast, excuse me, on the West Coast. And we, uh, and we played ball against the top players in the West Coast. Hmm. Okay. And then, that, so that became your club team in some sense. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, it was like, yeah, I guess it was a club team, um, but it wasn't like what it is now, AAU. We didn't have like yeah. AAU basketball, but it yeah. was the best selection of um, basketball players in San Diego. And then you're playing, you were the top player or one of the top players in your age group. Yep, and I was Diego. on that team, and okay. we went to a, a tournament in Palm Springs, and I won MVP of that tournament. Wow. And okay. then what really helped me um, was we had a huge tournament tournament in San Diego. It was a national tournament. And this team from San Diego that was on was playing against teams from Chicago, yeah. Atlanta, yeah. New York City. Yeah. Um, from all of these metropolitan big cities where basketball is basketball is huge. Yeah. And and at this at this tournament I was MVP. Yeah. And so what from there I got invited to play in a selection of all of those kids that was at that tournament. Mm -hmm. It was like an all star team. Right. And that team played against a famous team that was called the New New, um, New York City Gauchos. Okay. And we played mm -hmm. in this, you know, this arena and um I had a good, great performance there, and from there, I got invited to a lot of um, all stars and like pre all American camps. Oh, you got camps, okay. Mm -hmm. And then through these camps, you did you play high school basketball? Yep, yep. And then for for a school team, or was it for like outside club team? Yeah, I played at Mont Monte Vista High School. It was a local high school. It was the uh, Spring Valley Middle School. It was one of the feeders to the high school. And yeah. I went to Monte Vista High School, and I played there. Believe it or not, I got cut. I got cut as a – I tried out for the varsity team. The coach asked me, and he cut me. And so Freshman year? My freshman year. And then he said – he wants me to play JV, and he he took one of my best friends um, on varsity, who was also a ninth grader. And so I used that as motivation. I said, oh, you're going to cut me? 
okay? Yeah. After all that I've done over the last two years with basketball. Yeah. So I went to JV and I said, told myself, I'm going to show coach what I can do. So I went to JV and the first two tournaments, uh, there was Thanksgiving tournament, two tournaments that we had. And the varsity, we played before the varsity team. So the coach was there, all the players was there. Yeah. And I put on a monster show. <laughs> I was so angry for him being cut. I put on a monster show. Right after that tournament, coach moved me up to varsity. And I, <laughs> I stayed on varsity. So I played four years of varsity um, basketball for Bonavista Vista High School. Interesting. I mean, it, it's interesting to hear how how you got cut and then sort of just took that as motivation. Oh, I yeah. mean, th- was there any moment that, that you got cut that you, you self-doubt or something came to you or y- you were just, you knew that you deserved to be in varsity and it, it's just few? The second half of your question. I, I, I knew I was, my Can't mom be. was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom was mad and then, you know, my brothers was like, my some of my friends was like, D, your name is not on a list, you know, that was trying out. And I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even go see the look at the list because I thought I made the team. <laughs> then I went and I saw the list and I, you know, uh, oh, my name is not there. It kind of struck me. And I was a little bit, like, teary-eyed. <laughs> and then I caught myself and I said, wait a minute. I looked at the list and I saw all those names on the list. Nothing yeah. against them. Um, so I said, you know what? I told the JV coach, I said, I can't wait till we play our first game. And, and then our first, first two tournaments, I made sure that um, we won. We won both tournaments. And um, I made sure that coach knew that he made a mistake. <laughs> so love, it was just, it was just motivation. Back yeah. then, it was just motivation. Yeah, I love that. Um, so coming back to the all-star and everything i actually have a question for you because you only started playing basketball in seventh grade Mm -hmm. and then you were already making all these all-star team in eighth grade and it's in just a space of a year how did you jump so fast from from what do you think helped you and why do you think you were able to jump so fast in just a span of a year from a, a rookie to one of the best players in 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 your area. It, it, I didn't realize it then, um, Shannon, but I know perfectly the reason why. Why um, um, it took me a while to understand what you know in one one to one to two years. What happened? I just kind of just picked up the game so fast, and I was able to jump. And all my friends was like, "I can't believe you're doing this, Demetrius. What are you eating?" What are you doing? It was because of my ballet and tap that I took at a young age. And soccer. Mm. Soccer, the development of my muscles on playing soccer, the development of my um, elasticity, um, Mm -hmm. of my uh, flexibility with uh, tap and ballet, helped me to pick up and to grasp basketball mm-hmm. easily just because of the movements that 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 t- takes place in ballet mm-hmm. the footwork that takes place in tap and mm-hmm. the footwork that takes place in soccer and the spacing the mm-hmm. passing 
the awareness of how to manip- manipulate a ball, mm-hmm. um, it, it became it was an easy pickup. And then this, and then with baseball, how to manipulate a baseball, you know, with your quick hands. So I was able to, you know, swipe the ball away quick, pass it to my point guard. Melvin McFarland, my point guard, gets the ball. As soon as he got the ball, I just hit the lane as fast as I could. And then just, just gather my steps, gather my steps, pass, and just just let my athletic, athletic ability take over. Take, take over. Yes. Yeah. Now, yeah. I couldn't shoot. But <laughs> I could, uh, back then, so in the eighth grade, I was a great defender. I could run, and I can jump, and I had very high intensity. So your athleticism plus your, well, it's mostly just about athleticism yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah. And so skill was something that sort of you developed along the lines yeah. later. Yeah, and, and, and that's why I think Coach probably um, cut me because I couldn't really dribble the ball. Really? I couldn't really shoot the ball. Okay, so I, at the trials of varsity, I was just trying to block everyone's shot and just trying to dunk on people. <laughs> And I'm just going to be honest, and I think Coach was like, you know, he was like, wait a minute, you're not doing the fundamentals, so I'm going to put him down on JV so he could learn those skills. But when he saw how I impacted the game without really being taught the fundamentals yet, mm-hmm. he decided to bring me up. And that's actually a very interesting point about um, or fundamentals. It's this, this got me thinking that maybe you don't need to, to be the best at everything Mm -hmm. you just have to be exceptional at the few things Mm -hmm. that you can bring to the table and for you it is blocking dunking Mm -hmm. athleticism and then no one can do that it's like i think of dennis rodman Mm -hmm. right for that chicago bulls team he can't shoot right he can't really like dribble create plays not really right but he can win rebounds, and he he can win damn rebounds, and he's the best person in the world to do it. Exactly. Just that one thing. Yep. Got him three championships. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 I think that's 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 very interesting to think about that you you sort of just honed in, like maybe even though you weren't that intentional, but that just just it sort of just like happened, that 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 you you had all those athleticism, and that's very really interesting to also hear. And for for listeners, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I was actually just talking about this topic with uh, uh, Sam Cater yesterday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know him that oh, well, but yes, yeah, I know we, Sam well, of course. Uh, and we were just talking about how. Well roundedness is is um is important. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting to think that intentionally and unintentionally, those things like that may seem so irrelevant, mm-hmm. like ballet. Right. When 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 athletes or when when guys think of ballet, they they, they repel it or, or that's like at least like the culture mm-hmm. that, you know, you think that's like two opposite things. Right. right. But then it actually it, it connects. Right. Absolutely. Sort of like sort of like, you know, the the the, the footwork it, and uh, and that that's actually now that I think about it, I I I, I can also say that, and I can feel that a lot too. Because I started soccer, I, I want to share because I I, I I feel a lot. I, I feel this, a lot of similar things to you. This is your podcast. Okay, <laughs> go ahead and share. <laughs> it's just I started my soccer journey and um at thirteen years old, so I I played before. I played before. 
I was never good. I was horrible at it. <laughs> I was, uh, I played, I, I liked soccer and um, my, my parents would watch soccer, but I was never good at it. I was playing right back at this team as a kid. And then my, my dad got so pissed after one practice because <laughs> I was just not, not into the game. I was not running. I was not, I had a horrible touch. Can't really defend, mm-hmm. can't really attack. So he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm taking you out of soccer. You're quitting soccer. <laughs> and you took dad. me out of so- yeah. soccer. And then I just didn't play soccer for a long time. I, I mean, I played in primary school team like for one or two years, but that's it. And then I got to 13 and then, you know, they, my parents are like, they, they put me back to the soccer. They're like, they, you need a sport, Shannon. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And I, I did soccer and then, I was again one of the worst players. I was because I was playing right back, right? and then because like I, I don't know. But then they put me at goalkeeper one day, hmm. and then uh, and then it was just one day, and then because we our goalkeeper was out injured or something, and they're rotating keepers, and then it happened to be me because I, I, I did play goalkeeper once in primary school before, so I knew how to play. But then I went and go, and then I I still remember that practice is like. Boom, boom, boom. And they're just, just shots upon shots. And right. I was just save upon save upon save. And everyone on the team was like, what is going on? There you go. <laughs> and then after that practice, everyone was like, oh, we got to put him at, as as a starter for us. <laughs> I went from a B-team bench player to like, and then in the span of a year, I, I was like starting for the A-team. Um, and this team, Juventus Academy, Shanghai. Oh. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But um that's my that's my wife's team is juventus juventus she played professional there no 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 i mean you know being from the northern part of italy she's a juve fan forza juve (laughs) juve tina yeah yeah yeah. um and then i was i i i don't think i quite understood because i i just felt like you know uh, maybe that's just maybe i'm just i don't know like why i got so good at it but um because to be fair i i didn't learn it i never learned anything about goalkeeping i never did anything about goalkeeping I, my handling is crap i can't kick a ball i can't really do anything but i played many sports mm-hmm. i played soccer i played basketball i played frisbee i played baseball i played like whatever sport you name it i've probably played it and then i've just done so many things and i'm pretty athletic so it's just like all these things they actually can connect together right. Right. And and it's interesting to to sort of think about how how you know all these all these things are okay, connected. And I want to come back to your journey. And uh, so, what happened uh, in college? So so high school to college. What was that transition like? Um, were you were you like a top recruit by junior year or something? Or yeah, I would say by my the the, the landscape of recruiting is com- is completely different now. Mm-hmm. to back then so after going playing for these you know Senegal All-Stars mm-hmm. uh, we played the Gachos I mentioned New York City Gachos right and what happened Shannon they um, liked me so much they asked mm-hmm. me if I could play with the New York City Gachos mm-hmm. and uh, I said well I live in California so they was able to raise funds and s- to fly me to New York City every summer Really? So I spent my summers playing for the New York City Gachos um, um, throughout high school. <laughs> and I played with some famous players. Um, and like coaches who? start to see me okay. there. Um, yeah. Um, and, 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 and then I got invited to some camps. And that 
that helped me with my recruitment because I was, you know, back then they didn't have a ranking, yeah, um, like ESPN, but I was one of the top players. Um, I was ranked, um, okay, and I um, start getting recruited. I would go to a game. No, let me stop. I would come home, and my mom would say, "Here's some letters," and I had letters from several schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the East Coast to the West Coast to the Midwest, and mails used to come, letters used to come to my coach. So I used to have boxes, shoe boxes of this letters. So, um, so my recruiting journey began when my tenth grade year, mm-hmm. and um, and coaches called me, called the house. Talk to my mom. Talk to me, and then next thing I knew, I'd go. I'd be playing a game, and as I warm warming up, we have you know like Luke Olson, who was a coach at Arizona, mm-hmm. um, the um, famous coach um, uh, Jerry Tarkenia, mm-hmm. who was a coach at UNLV. Mm-hmm. Um, so many coaches just come and watch me play, mm-hmm. um, and that's how it's, that's how my recruitment started. Mm-hmm. And then I had several interests, and then I narrowed those. I, Probably had, I would say maybe fifteen um, scholarships. Um, wow! Um, I could have had more if I paid attention to my academics. Yeah. This day, I knock. I'm just like, ugh, <laughs> um, because I didn't take that as serious as I should have. Um, yeah. Um, but I did go, like, so I had like fifteen, twenty offers, mm-hmm. and you can only take five recruiting trips. So I took five recruiting trips. And then I narrow my choice down to um, Long Beach State or University of Arizona, mm-hmm. and um, and I decided to go to Long Beach State. Okay, so how is the career there like? Um, at Long Beach State, it was my first year. Um, it was great. Um, I played. I was in a rotation. Um, I made honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Honorable mention freshman team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won the coaches award. Mm-hmm. Great year. Um, mm-hmm. And then my second year, I got hurt. So I, oh, no. I mm-hmm. redshirted my second year. Mm-hmm. And that year, they decided to drop the basketball program. They were thinking about dropping the basketball program or the football program at Lumpy State. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just dropped the football program. Mm-hmm. At the same time, all of my coaching staff got fired, um, which mm-hmm. really hit me hard because those coaches was watching me play since I was like 15, 16 years old. Yeah. And so a lot of players decided to leave, and I was one. So I left Long Beach State, and I went to a, another Division One program. Mm-hmm. It was called United, United States International University. We were mm-hmm. in the independent conference with Notre Dame, Wright State, mm-hmm. Ball State. And I can't remember. I think it was LaSalle, Akron. Mm-hmm. And two or three other schools, I just can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's where I met Barbara, my wife. Mm. So, if I would have stayed at Long Beach State, excuse me, let me take it back. I had a chance to go to San. I committed to San Diego State University, mm. um, who actually was in the finals this year at Aztecs. Board. Yeah. So I committed there. When I left Long Beach State, I said I want to go back home. Mm-hmm. So San Diego State was already. Uh, on my radar, they already mm. knew about me because I was coming back home. They already offered me a scholarship before, so I said, "Okay." I gave them a commitment, um, and then the coach from USIU knew I had this commitment, 
and say, listen, we, we still want to talk to you because we think you can be a big part. Although I know San Diego State is a big, uh, a nice program. Of course. USIU, that's United States International University, you can come over here and be like the, the guy. And I so, mean, aren't you going to be the guy at San Diego State too? Or? Yeah, I, w- I, w- I would have um, played a lot. Um, so what attracted you from USIU over? Well, what, what attracted me mm-hmm. is when I went to the campus, they said, can you just come on campus? It was unofficial because I lived in San Diego. So I was not, like, breaking in the rules. I just drove up the campus to meet the coach. Um, and he took me on a tour. And I was – I stopped coach. I said, coach, is this – I hear – is this – it's an international school. He goes, yeah, we have students from all over. Mm. I was like, wow, this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he took – he says, I want to show you our schedule. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the schedule. And on the schedule, it's University of Oklahoma – Mm-hmm. Arkansas, Syracuse University, Rhode Island, UCLA. I mean, some of the schools that was on that schedule was better than San, San Diego State's schedule because we were, we were in the independent conference. Um, mm-hmm. So I went home and I thought about it. And and once again, this was, this was without any guidance from any adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to commit to... Decommit from San Diego State and commit to USIU. Mm, interesting. And then, so how is how did that go? The, the it was three years. Great. Uh huh. Great. Great. It was. Uh, it was. It was a great. It was two years. Two. Two years because I went to. I have one year left. Because remember, I only played one year at Long Beach State. Yeah. I redshirted a year. So I went to a junior college one year. Oh. And I played at a Grossmont Junior College. Yeah. And that's where I got the offer from San Diego State. Yeah. And then uh, from there, I went to USIU. So you... So, okay. so I played one year at Long Beach State, one year at Grossmont. Okay. And then two years at USIU. Okay. Two years at USIU. And then... You got your professional contract. Yep, right I played after. it. I played in the well. First, I played in the NBA summer league, and then okay. from there, um, I tried out for Portland. I was one of the last two or three cuts. I taught Rick Adelman, who was the coach then. I thought he was going to select me, and then he cut me. Um, oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, which is they had a strong team, and um, and actually, who, the, who was in Portland back then? Actually, the point guard was Rodney Strickland. Okay. Rodney Strickland, and t- it was Rodney Strickland, Terry Porter, and the best player was Clyde the Glide Drexler. was on that team. Yeah, Drexler. Yeah. And so, um, so once I got released, I went to work. I was working for Family Fitness. I was a personal trainer. Really? This was in August. And my agent, maybe after about three weeks of working there, I was still working out, training, but I have to make a, a living. Um, yeah. My mom was like, no, you got to get out of the house. You know, you gotta, yeah, yeah, you got to um, support def- yourself. Support your support yourself. So, um, so he, my agent, calls me and said, "Hey, I got I got a contract for you overseas in Argentina." <laughs> and I was like, "Argentina." Yeah. And I thought about it. I was like, "I don't want to go to Argentina." Yeah. Um, I was thinking something more, you know, European. Yeah. Um, he goes, "No, just go down there and make a name for yourself." So I went ahead. I went down there and I had a blast. 
and that's when I my career professional career. Argentina. So how how is it like playing overseas? It's fun. It's good. Really? It's great. Um, for me, it was um, not that difficult um, because I lived out of the country before when mm. I was uh, as a young. When you child. were little, yep. When I was little, um, um, the only rough times I had was you know sometimes you go back to your to your apartment and you're there by yourself. So um, that's the only tough time I had. Um, but I realized quickly to get with the natives, okay. get with the people. So I immersed myself with the locals, and I made time go by faster. I built my fan base. All those locals used to come to the games with yeah. their drums. And, you know, South America, <laughs> their music is first yeah. and, uh, and support me. So they it made chant your name, too. Chant my name. <laughs> it went, uh, so it it. it it made the day go by faster, and it just helped me. Like, it was my mental health that kept me, like, you know, insane. It made me feel that I was not alone, that I did have a family out there. That's great. Yeah. And then, so you played in Argentina, and you sort of made a name in, in some sense yep. in their league. Yep. And what did you do right after? I went to Brazil. Brazil? And I played there. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know the, the basketball league. Are, are they big? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they have some famous players coming out of both countries that played in the NBA. Oh. Yeah. It's when I think of Argentina, if, Brazil, if, it's all, all soccer, you know? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, you know, like overseas, so for example, Corinthians, you probably heard of that soccer team. Sao Paulo, Palmeiras, all those teams have basketball. Basketball teams. Yeah. It's like Real Madrid, Barcelona, everyone it's, it's the, uh, basketball it's, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same. So it was fun. I mean, the, the the audience, the fans were. I mean, they a were lot, a lot passionate and um, <laughs> crazy too. I mean, imagine playing and behind your bench there's a chain link fence to prevent <laughs> the fans from throwing stuff on you. Chain chain fence. Yeah. Wow. Or, or or a mesh net behind me, yeah. behind the bench. <laughs> so not every place, but some places that doesn't they, even happen in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, they they can get That's very crazy. passionate. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen videos of of you know like European fans or like South American fans just putting flames and then just oh, like yeah. all all the chants and everything. It's crazy. Yep, it's it's uh, it's another level <laughs> over there. So how would you go from Brazil? From Brazil, I I went to play in France. Okay. Um, and then from France, I was signed a two-year contract in, Sw in Switzerland. Okay. Um, and then after Switzerland, I went to Israel. Okay. I uh, played there. Okay. And then um, I traveled to Costa Rica. Okay. Okay. And then I went back to Brazil. Okay. And then after Brazil, I went back over to Europe and um, played in Italy. Um, okay. Um, and then I stopped. Stopped at Italy. Well, let me. I went back down to South America. Okay, but I, I hurt my wrist, so I came home. Um, and at that time, I bought a home. Yeah, and then I got engaged. Yeah, and then I stopped. I put a pause, mm -hmm. and then after I had my children, we moved back to Italy. And at the age of forty, one forty two, I played in, in the Italian basketball third division. Yeah. Yep. 
So first division, yeah. you've been playing first division for your entire career. Yeah, well, there was two times I played second division. Yeah. And one was in Switzerland for okay. a great club and a contract that I couldn't refuse. And I took them up, I regulated, regulated them to first division. Okay. And then in Argentina, my first contract was the second division. Ah, interesting. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting experience. But all what other times I was in the top, top, top. Yeah. Win any championship? I won one in Switzerland. Okay. I won one in France. And okay. I won one in Argentina. How, 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 how did that feel? Good. So <laughs> great. So gratifying. I'll tell you, those championships, I mean, European, um, South American, international basketball, so, so physical. Mm. I mean, so physical. And so by the time you won the championship, there's so much gratification. But at the same time, you're just so exhausted mm. mentally and uh, physically. But it was a great experience, experience and, um, and I'm developed and I maintain relationships with those, with those coaches and players that I played with. Interesting. And there, here comes uh, a question sort of about the journey, which is how does it feel to play overseas? And, and you, the, the fact about playing overseas is there's not like a you know, long-term contract and you keep changing clubs and changing different countries. How, how is it like to adapt to different places all the time? And, and how is it to, to sort of just keep shifting clubs? Is it, does it take a toll on you? Um, yes, it does. I mean, yes, it did. Um, for me, after my third or fourth move or transfer, I just accepted, got I, got, I, I accepted it. I said, this is something I want to do. And mm -hmm. I can only do it for, for this much of my life here on this wonderful earth that I learned to, um, to just live in the moment and, and, and embrace the opportunity of just playing basketball. Because a lot of my friends where I grew up at was like in jail, um, mm -hmm. was having, was going through a lot personally, um, was struggling. Um, and, and then I had some successful friends too. But, I, you know, where I came from, I was like, listen, I came a long ways. And, and this is something that I wanted to do. I mm -hmm. wanted to be a professional basketball player. Yeah. And if it means to pack my bags up and go to another country for a better opportunity – then that's something that I embrace. And also, um, Channing, mm -hmm. I those two years at United States International University mm -hmm. really kind of set me up. It really did because um, having and traveling with those international students, my girlfriend was Italian who, all, who was going back and forth um, Learning and listening and eating, learning, listening to those languages, eating those f different foods mm -hmm. with different cultures mm -hmm. um, was helped me to make those transitions into all these different cultures. Yeah. So that 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 that, that those two years that USIU really those years set really you up. Me. Yep. And 
here comes another sort of big question, mm-hmm. which comes back to sort of the initial question. How do you think, th- like, which is w- w- how does sports change your life? So how do you think this experience of playing overseas and, and meeting all these cultures and playing in all these different places have shaped you and changed you? Well, it's done a lot. Yeah. Shan- um, Shannon, it's done a lot because and the world's becoming smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a becoming more of a melting pot, and me being able to play basketball, being able to get paid for doing that, being able to travel to those different countries, has helped me to deal with all different type of extreme challenges with different cultures. Helped me to be, how can I say, sensitive to mm-hmm. cultural differences mm-hmm. um, and it, it really helped me to understand that there's more outside of America this world has a lot to offer mm-hmm. cultures and countries well people from different countries have so much more to offer mm-hmm. and when I was growing up as a young black boy I've always thought, America, America, America. I'm glad my mom was able to take me out early. Mm-hmm. But still, I had this thing that America was the was the one. Was yeah. like the... Pinnacle, but yeah. It, exactly, was the pinnacle. But I realized that it's... It, 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 yeah. It, we are a great, strong, powerful mm-hmm. country. But there's other countries that has a lot to offer this world. And there are other co- um, cultures that has a lot to offer this world and it has helped me even in my role as you know as an educator even as in my role as the dean mm-hmm. associate dean of students um over the last five years that i've been yeah. a dean it helped me um deal with evolving and un- unexpected challenges and it helps me with celebrations you know for me it's easy to celebrate a latin x heritage month that's that's easy for me to celebrate. Yeah, because you've been there. Yeah, the lunar been. Chinese New Year is easy. All the Jewish holidays, yes, I know. I lived in Israel. So yeah. um, Italian holidays, French holidays, <laughs> it's just easy for me to navigate those 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 celebrations and to have That's conversations so cool. with, 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 um, with the students from those countries. It's like living the dream life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Traveling and doing something you love. Yeah. Yeah. Learning. Yeah. And here comes sort of like the final section, which is how how is it like to end your career and, and find another career? Because there's obvi- obvious like athlete retirement syndrome, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, people who retire and they don't know what to do and they get depressed or, um, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes for athletes to, to, to sort of shift out because it's something that you've been doing in some sense for your entire life. Right. To find something else right. other than basketball is, is could be a challenge. Right. So how did you shift out of it and, and end up as a dean? That's a, that's probably one of your best questions um, <laughs> during this broadcast. Um, it was, you know, there were some dark moments. Mm. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. There were some times that, why can I still play? <laughs> yeah. I want to play. Should I call my agent back? Um. I can still play, but I knew that the ball would stop bouncing 
per se. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I knew that it was time for me to put the ball down and to start using what's in between my ears and my experience. Um, um, but it was tough because I, this part of me still want to get out mm-hmm. there and be the baller and, and do all those things. But the other part of me, knowing that I got engaged with my wife and she was ready for me to kind of move on with, um, I wouldn't say she wasn't ready for me, but to move on. But I think that mm-hmm. she's happy that I made a decision to like stop and spend time and really develop our relationship mm-hmm. and, um, and start um, having a family. So I... I start looking in a newspaper. This will this will <laughs> kind of start. I just this will got me in education. So you know the internet just started back then. I was there was no like okay search for a job indeed or whatever these searches you know search engines mm-hmm. uh, places you can go to find jobs. So I went to the newspaper classified section and just look you know help wanted jobs and I saw a job for. Um, at University of San Diego High School, mm-hmm. and it was for a basketball coach. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, do I really want to coach basketball and get into education? Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and applied for the position, and I got the job, and that started me into coaching. And then I went and I got my teacher credential, mm-hmm. and I started teaching biology, anatomy, and physiology. Mm-hmm. And then I did that for two years. And then the coaching part, um, I told this story to Grace. So if Grace is listening to this, I believe I told it to Grace um, mm. that when I got hired as the basketball coach, I thought I walked in. Okay, I walked into the gym, mm-hmm. and so I walked into the gym. The AD was still with me, and he goes, "Okay, Demetrius, um, um, here's the gym. Blah blah blah. Here's the ball. Blah blah blah. Okay, okay cool, cool. And then I saw a group of girls in the gym, so I just said, "Okay, girls." Let's Time to go. It's time for me. You know, I got practice. And then Dave, my AD, touched my shoulder and said, this is your team. And I said, Dave, these, I'm coaching girls? He goes, yes. I was like, oh. <laughs> so my first experience was coaching girls sports. Yeah. And I tell you, without coaching girls sports, I probably would not have been successful as a coach. I really? Probably, yeah, they taught me so much. What do you mean? Um, How? Because for for me, because girls and, you know, my mom has taught me a lot. So I learned a a lot of things in my life from females, from a female perspective. So, and, and when I learned real quickly that girls believe so much in teamwork, they are like a sponge. They will listen. They was listening to me. They listen to me. Um, girls care about the coach. They, the camaraderie that they bring to practice, the energy, the, the emotions that involves when you win and when you lose. They wear everything on their like sleeves per se and they're not you know when you play basketball i'm a big component of uh, proponent of 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 teamwork don't go one-on-one all the time 
Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. If you watch the NCAA basketball, the, the, the women's this year, for me, that was more exciting than the men's. I mean, the girls, they play each other, and they so much they cheer for each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that really taught me mm-hmm. how important sports is and how, how, how much girls or people who identify as females benefits they can get from playing sports. Um, and I think to this day, I'm a firm believer, females, girls, humans that identify themselves as a female, when they play sports, I'm not saying if you don't do this, so don't get mm-hmm. me, don't get it twisted. They make the best leaders. I mean, all the top female leaders, I would say 90%, at least 85 to 90% of female leaders have played, have a sporting background. And, um, and would you I, say that the same for guys or not really? I would say the same for guys too, but, but the self-confidence that, you, that, that um, you gain from playing sports, and the reason why, because I'm, I'm focusing on females, because there's never been a tension with females, females has always been like put down as far as, far as leadership positions mm. um, in this wor- in this world, especially you know right, in the right. states. And so, when you play sports as a lady, as you know a person identified as a female, it gives you that how to have adversity, how self confidence, leadership, all those things, communication, collaboration, all those things that can really kind of set the table. For mm-hmm. uh, for ladies to be for have prominent roles, um, more so today, mm-hmm. more so today because the opportunities the women has opened up yeah. for females than when I was young. So when I started now, when I started playing, the girls who I coach right now, I would say, they, you know, Facebook opened up. They now they search me out. I would say almost. I would say at least 75% of them have great positions. Mm. And they always tell me, Coach, without me playing basketball, without you being my coach, I would have never been in this position. Position. So, boys, they Facebook me, hey, what's up, Coach, this and that. But, you know, they don't really talk to me about their lives. So I I really – and – we went to four championships in a row. Those girls, that, those that, those five years I coached girls, four of those years we went all the way to the championships, winning two of them. That's crazy. So, so I have to say, I, I, they taught me a lot. Without that, I, you know, I don't know where my coaching journey would have ended up. I, so, I just don't know where. sort of to sum it up, would you think the biggest lessons? Are um, what do you think are the biggest lessons that sports has taught you? If you can quantify and summarize it up, um, I would think the number one is how to handle um, adversity mm-hmm. um, because you're gonna lose, you're not gonna win everything. How to handle, how to deal with adversity. Mm-hmm. How to uh, commitment mm-hmm. to something that you're doing, um, 
the benefits, health, we all know what you can gain out of that. Of course. Um, the importance of, of family. Right. I think that's very important. And um, well, this, I just can name so many. Um, <laughs> Is that's, that's like all trust, the trust, yeah. trust, trust, um, trust, trust in, 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 in a system, trust in your, in your teammates. Um, confidence. Conf- we talked about that. Oh, confidence, self-esteem, self-esteem. by far. Yeah. I should have named that the first two. <laughs> um, because without sports, remember, I can go back. It's me trying to talk in front of people or just talking, just raise my hand and ask a question. Without sports, I would have never gotten there. I would have mm. never gotten there. So, and, and then also just being comfortable with who you are. Who right. you are. Right. Um, so Love those, those are the things that just pop out right now. Love it. I feel like we can definitely go on for hours to go through your coaching career or your dean career yeah. or whatnot. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, time is running a little short. Well, so yep, we yep, will anytime. Jump, jump. And uh, maybe we have to find another time to talk about that other part of the story. Um, but it's time, I think, for the sort of the final section of this podcast episode, which is the final three questions for you. So the first question is... What are some non-negotiable values that you have for your living? For my life? Yeah. Mm. Non-negotiable values. So I would say a value in life, um, you know, I mean, this is my personal, um, you know, one is humanity and love. Right. Um, that's for me I do not like to I think that's so important in life Mm -hmm. I value um, being a human right life is precious you don't know how long you can be here right Um, so I really I lost a lot not a lot I shouldn't use that but I lost several people that were close to me over my time. Right. And I wish I could have gave them love, more love. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think people value life and humanity as much as we should as humans. So I say that's one. I think time is another. Um, I value my time. I value my time right now. Um, I would, then, then money to any material materialistic items that you can give me. Um, time mm-hmm. is so important. Um, right. And then family. I, I, I value my family. I think that we are in a, a family social dilemma here. Mm-hmm. I think the family, uh, especially here in, in America, because I've, I've lived in so many countries, the family, the structure of the family has broken. And mm-hmm. you, you see... Um, and it's a ripple effect and it goes into our society. So I would say those are the things. I mean, family is, is very important. Mm-hmm. And then one of my most important things, I know you say three, it's just my faith, my religion, my belief, mm-hmm. my faith, so my spirit. So those are the three or four things that I value. Love it. Second question, if there is one thing you can say to a younger version of yourself, what would it be? 
stretch more. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll say, stretch more. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have done more stretching. Um, um, and I, I would have played, I mean, if, can you ask that ask? That question one more time. If you can say something to a younger version of yourself, what would it be? Like, what would you give? It's like an advice that you would give yourself if it was younger. Um, I would say Demetrius. Demetrius. You should have been of a should I have more confidence in myself if I had to tell myself a younger version of me you should have confidence in yourself mm. um, I should have believed in myself and have more self esteem as a young age um, yeah I think that when I was young I didn't have that and uh, there was factors that played a role in that mm -hmm. um, oh, and speak up I was if I had to I should have spoke up more when I was young so those are the two things I think they go hand in hand too that's that the courage I have more right. courage if I was a younger person yeah um, well that's what I would say to myself love it Last question for you. What do you think your, what do you think is your unique contribution to the bigger picture of the world? And what would you want to be remembered as? My big contribution to the world is I'm here to serve the youth. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I like to do. I think it comes easy for me. Um, um, that's what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I feel comfortable doing is working with young adults and young adolescents and young youth. I've been doing that since I was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. um, so my contribution would be to continue, I call it serving, mm -hmm. serving youth and it's mm. just you know started like 12 years old and with my own kids and then with, with you Shannon and right. with any young youth I interact with I want to have an impact in their lives because I'm in my third quarter of my life mm -hmm. and I don't have too much longer to be here on this planet and uh, what would you want to be remembered as? Some, um, someone who cared, someone who was caring, someone who was personable, easy to, to approach. Someone who was honest um, and someone who would do, like to have fun. <laughs> of like course. To have fun. Of course. You know, Demetrius, 
Um, you know, I want to be a person that no matter what's going on, I can have my personal issues going on like we all do. But the bottom line is that I'm going back to being this life is precious. You gotta have fun in life. Yeah. Even when there's all of this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So. Love it. This has been what a wonderful journey with you today. It has been very fortunate for me to to hear your journey. Your 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 story is incredible and I relate so much with it. I mean, to think that you only started a seventh grade and, and uh yeah. played an incredible professional career. Yeah. And yeah. then won three, four championships across the world. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did, and I don't think like I, I don't think I, I only knew probably one percent of, of of your story. Yeah. And it's great to, to, to hear this and is it is very inspiring. Right. Right. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I know it's been like a couple of weeks or so, three weeks that you're trying to get me in here. Yeah, and course. I'm sorry, but it's, you know, it's the end of the year, a lot of things going on. But yeah, I of now I feel really I feel so much pleased that I'm here. Did with you have you. a good time here today? Oh, I loved it. You loved I it? I loved it. I didn't know this was even set up like this. This is this is cool great. studio. <laughs> this is great. This is thank great. you for coming for listeners. Thank you all so much for listening and I will see you in the next episode. Bye bye.